So I set a goal to have a business in a year. And I took a picture every day, posted it every day, and that was like my strategy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of No Fat Cats, where you help high-performing creative teams get even better. I'm your host, Wesley Dean. In this episode, I decided to sit down with someone who is in Generation Z. So I know before I've had a few episodes where I've talked to people who are you know, not in Generation Z, and they've had a lot of you know thoughts, opinions, and been able to share a bit of wisdom about Gen Z, but I thought, you know, why not actually interview some creatives who are kind of in that starting Generation Z and, and ask them about their habits, what they're doing, their likes, dislikes, and see if I get a few tips for working with them and to see if they have any tips for for everyone else in terms of how to engage and how to, to, to work with Generation Z. Tess started off as a photographer when she was injured while running track and she wasn't able to compete for a little bit. So she decided to start a photography business by posting one photo a day for a year. And guess what? It worked. She took photos for people for free and asked them to invite all their friends to like her page on Facebook. And this has led to her being still while a junior in college, she's had her her business up and running last year did 15 weddings, so she's clearly doing something that works. I was impressed with how into the weeds she's gotten with analytics, understanding when her audience is up. So it's clearly something that her generation is, if they're in a creative field, are just very aware of. And she had a lot of other helpful tips to share. She emphasized just how important it is for people to feel a connection to you. And when they do, they're more likely to buy. She also just shared how having behind the scenes content is is so important for helping people feel connected to you so everyone clearly has a very polished you know instagram feed that's that put out there especially if you sell something that's like a photography you need to have great photos and, and a, a great feed or else people aren't going to buy from you but people also want to feel that authentic connection and that's just what your Instagram or Facebook stories are for. For this interview, I was back at my alma mater, Houghton College, sitting in the campus center. So you might hear a little bit of background noise, but in this case, it was just fun to sit down for a conversation with Tess. And so without further ado, here's Tess Schulke. Hey Tess, uh, thanks so much for being on the podcast and thanks for being willing to sit down and just for a conversation about uh, media and the way things have, have come. I know for me, it's been uh, you know, about 10 years since I graduated. So I'm really looking forward to sitting down and, and chatting about where things are at. Of course. <laughs> yeah. So, so for our listeners, um, it's a little bit of comparison, even though 10 years doesn't seem like that long of a time. Um, you know, when I was, when I was uh, in college, you know, graduating 10 years ago, you know, I, Facebook was just on the scene. Um, you know, Facebook had just come out and you had to have a .edu uh, email address to, to actually sign up. That was like one of the requirements. Um, and now there's, I don't know how many billion uh, users. And, um, but even, I guess, do you guys even use Facebook that much or? Um, I somewhat use it for my business, but it's not, you can now post to Instagram and it will just post to Facebook for you. So. Okay. I use Instagram and then it automatically posts to Facebook just for my business. And then for personal life, not a whole ton kind of for the older generation, like my grandparents all post photos and stuff for them to see because they're not on Instagram where I usually post things. Okay, great. And a little bit of context. So I know Tess is a, you know, you're a junior currently, yes. I think, at Houghton College, uh, my alma mater. And you're also uh, a photographer. And it sounds like you're currently actually have been doing weddings too. Yes. Yep. I shot about 14 weddings this summer. And 
yeah, I've just kind of been doing that. In the summers, in the fall, I also do lifestyle portraits. Um, yeah. Nice. F- 14. That's actually, uh, that's not just a starter. You're actually like, that's legit. No. Yeah, I started in high school. So that's okay. part of the reason I came to Houghton so I could keep my client base where it was, grow it for four years and then move out of Houghton. Okay. At some point. At some point, yeah. Yes. And I think yeah, <laughs> that's a, a natural progression of, of most people's careers. Is yes. <laughs> move out of Houghton. <laughs> that's great. And so you started in high school, you said, though? Yeah. Okay. And um, just doing weddings or just as a hobby? Um, I really liked running track, and I ended up getting injured in track, so I didn't really know what to do with my time. So that's when I picked up a camera. Well, I'd picked it up before then, but that's when I decided I really wanted to make it into a business. So I set a goal to have a business in a year, and I took a picture every day, posted it every day, and that was like my strategy to get to a business in a year, which ended up working for me, which is cool. No, that sounds great. So taking a photo and just taking, making sure you took at least one photo uh, a day, was it always one or is it multiple ones but posting one? Um... It would be posting one a day. So I was strategic. I would do families or couples, like mostly people in the community. And then I would say, if I do this for you, you have to invite all of your friends to my page and you have to post it under my name. So then I could build up my follower base until people just started coming to me and asking without really having to advertise Nice. From the beginning. So, you, so you'd say you basically would do shoots for people and tell them, hey, you have to invite all your friends to your page? Yes. That's when I actually used Facebook the most was starting my business in high school. Okay. So you'd start starting in high school. You would just, hey, I'll do these photos for free for your family, but you just have to invite, invite your friends. Yes. There's like a button you can click on Facebook, like invite everybody to test Shilky Photography. So they would have to do that. And it actually like built up pretty well for the time that I was doing it. Nice. That, that's uh, a great way of, of doing yeah. it. I mean, it sounds like uh, just as a way of saying, hey, how do I create this content and then put it out there for free and I'm just going to do it, but then invite pe- have to have people invite their, their friends. Yeah, it was strategic. Nice. I see, I see you can, uh, you were a strategist from, a, from an early age. Yeah. This was what, uh, 16, 17? 16, yeah. I shot my first wedding at 16. Nice. That's that's pretty impressive. Uh, got got an early start at sixteen. Yes. <laughs> so so I know. So go back to sixteen. Um, so you are really at the the kind of the cusp of start of Gen Z. Um, you know, at this age. So when it comes to like cell phones, I mean, you've always, I think, your age, you probably remember when smartphones came out, but you were probably would have been been pretty young. I'm guessing. Yeah, I think it was fourth grade. When people started having phones, but it was the flip phone, like flip up, flip across. That was oh, like yep. the coolest thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. And then what about smartphones? Sm- so, um, I remember first there was the iPod touch, which was super, super cool in like seventh grade. And then I'm assuming the first iPhone was like pretty quickly after that. Yeah. I think that was sixth grade, seventh grade, maybe. So pretty much at the age where, I guess, kids are starting to get cell phones. Yeah, more or less than most kids had them at that point, at least a flip phone. Okay, at, at that point. Um, and then I guess, so when was, when was your f- first, like, smartphone, I guess? Or? So my parents had a rule, no phone, no social media. We actually don't have internet at the house. We still don't. 
now, which is kind of impressive. Wow, that, that is <laughs> My pretty younger impressive. siblings don't like it. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was a rule until 16. And then at 16, we were allowed to buy our own phone plan, get a smartphone or any type of phone that we wanted. As long as you paid for it, I guess. As, yes, as long as we paid for it. Oh, okay, no, that, that sounds like the, uh, the great rule. And, and how, what was that like being, I guess, wait until you were 16 to ha- have your own phone? Um, it was a little bit annoying for me at that age. I didn't hate it. Like, I understood my parents' reasoning. But now that I'm older, I think it's the smartest thing they could have done for me because of the effects that social media specifically, I think, has on especially younger girls in middle school, early high school type of age. And, and I guess what were what do you think some of those effects were that you got to see firsthand? Um, just, like, even a little thing I've noticed is, like, when I was in sixth and seventh grade, like, I didn't know how to dress myself. Like, I was just doing whatever I wanted. I wasn't thinking about my appearance. Um, and now I see sixth and seventh grade girls looking like they're 20 (laughs) like makeup all this crazy stuff and I know it's just the effects of following so many people on Instagram or other platforms and just the constant comparison game so you think it was especially worse uh as a result of social media yeah yes in middle school and then do you feel like you've seen a difference between those who had smartphones when they were in middle school and how they are now or by now do you think everyone's kind of blended together or you know any thoughts on on that space um I mean it's it's hard to tell like I know now that like with my younger siblings especially like my younger sister just turned 16 and like she had to wait that long to get a phone but it's common for third and fourth graders to have like all have smartphones all be on social media so it's kind of hard to see the effects of like specifically different people but I mean a lot depends on like how into it and absorbed you get with it like you can have social media without it affecting you in poor ways or good ways yeah but but at the same time it seems like there is a balance between like you definitely have to be careful it seems like yeah for sure. Is and it, it's it's tricky running a business. I know you had mentioned like polished content, unpolished content, because when you are running a business, you have to be putting out polished content. So even for my personal Instagram, it's so heavily linked to my business Instagram that whatever I post has to be very polished, like professional. Um, but there's also problems with that because it's setting unrealistic expectations for other people so it's a constant battle of kind of trying to figure that out yeah i know in our kind of preliminary call that was one of the big things i've you know been trying to figure out is that that mixture between polished you know and unpolished content and to what extent do people like if you're in a a visual business you you just can't put like really boring photos out or else no one's gonna like want to hire you probably um, exactly. And yeah. so, so how do you balance those two between, and, and how do you find that you and your, in your friends groups balance, you know, what it's like to put out something that looks really cool and is versus, you know, something that's maybe doesn't look cool or, or do you kind of divide between like stories and. Yeah. Like a huge thing, which Instagram stories have only come in like the last year, but 
anything that I post to my feed is very polished, the best content that I have, um, specifically targeting the type of clientele I want to reach. And then through stories is where you can, pretty much how I've learned it is you have to be personal within your business. So that's where you show up and try to relate to people and let people know that you're an actual person, which can look a lot of different ways. But most of the time that's unpolished. In your feed? Not in my feed, in my stories. Oh, I'm sorry, in your stories. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so there's like very different... um, like and I've even felt that too, where it's like when you look at people who do have stuff, it's like, oh, okay, well, they're just themselves and their story because it's here today and God tomorrow, unless it becomes a really epic story and then you can save it. Um, mm-hmm. But then kind of differentiate and put your feed down, um, make sure that's really polished. So I guess, so I am really curious too, like hearing what does it look like for you in terms of your strategy for, for your feed if we wanted to go into that a little bit? Yeah. Like, is it okay? Can I like, oh, is it okay if I pull up my phone and, and open mm-hmm. up your feed? Is that, and yeah, we can kind sure. of talk about that? All right. So going in my phone, um, going into, so I know it's uh, Tess. So my business is Tess Shilke Photography. And then you follow my personal, which is Tess Shilke. Okay. Well, why don't, why don't we dive into your like personal one okay. first and that have it here so we can kind of look in, obviously links be in the show notes. But what do you kind of usually try to do from, from how you portray yourself on like on your personal? So it looks like, you know, I see a mixture of like fun pictures of you, but also some of your, some of like weddings and um, looks like a mixture of like travel. What do you find is usually your goal with, with your personal? So feed? cause it is, it's, it's always interesting. That act. So yes, I run a photography business, but my goal is really to create a personal brand and create more than one business so like I'm already creating another business with my roommate with um kind of hitting the high school girls demographic in different ways so trying to balance two different Instagram accounts so my goal of my personal is more to just have like a fun pure adventurous something that younger girls can look at and not be influenced poorly, but also kind of create like a lifestyle and something that's desired. And from there, I try to pull people into my photo account, which is where I post all of my client work with a mixture of also my personal work by like putting myself into a brand. So I don't really put a ton of time into my personal Instagram account majority is put into my business right now test shulky photography yes okay and and so for that one you know looks like you have a mixture of you know weddings you know what is your your goal with your photography just make it make it interesting so it sounds a little ridiculous but your feed has to look good so knowing how because it's really a portfolio of your work it is and when clients are looking at your feed like if they don't like it then they're not going to stick around. So making sure your feed is cohesive, same colors, a variety of pictures so it doesn't look too busy, like mixture of close-up, far away. There's actually an app you can use to plan out your feed ahead of time, which most creatives use, and you can kind of plan what your post is going to be. So I use that app, and then from there I try to at least show up in my feed every nine pictures, 
okay. because when and people buy from when people. people yeah people want to see your face and there's a lot of appeal to knowing there's a real person behind the business and then also something that's really hard to do that I try to do is make sure my captions tell a story or tell something about my business open up a conversation for something because it's really easy to just post a picture and be like this beautiful couple or talk about the weather or things like that (laughs) so I really do have to plan out my posts ahead of time having a good solid caption that's going to speak to me and my brand okay and so do you find that's having a story or just having something in text I think that's the ironic thing is Ben is that with Instagram, it is about a photo, but at the same time, if you want to do well, you actually have to have engaging text. So it's almost like yeah. become a mini blog form. Yeah, it really is. And from all the research I've done, podcasts I've listened to, people love to hear a story. So telling a story through the photo or even like a random story from your life doesn't even have to relate to the photo, but something that's going to keep people reading and be able to relate to you. So what extent do you find that having that a story in your picture, even if it's not related, how does that actually help build build your brand? So it's kind of interesting, but if you start following somebody for a long time, you almost feel like you know them. And so the long-term goal with this would be to have people following me for a while and just really latching on to what I'm doing, who I am, my lifestyle, so for me, like when they get married or want photos, I'm going to be the first choice in their mind. Because you want them to have that emotional connection yes. to you as a person mm-hmm. and feel like they trust you, feel like you're the authority because they've been connected to all these experiences and kind of like live vicariously. Yes. Okay. No, that's, that's, that's super helpful. And then, and so you obviously have like your personal brand, but then also have your like photography and you just kind of try to, and what was the other business that you're saying that you're trying to gear so, towards uh, high school girls? This is like totally not announced yet. We haven't launched it. All right, what, what can be coming? 2020, coming, yes. 2020, coming, well, in a few months. We okay, wanna, so f- coming We want to do it this summer. Yeah. Um, the goal is to create a two-day camp for girls in high school, which will be just this creative, pretty much we'll be spending the two days creating this photo shoot. So the girls will be the creatives, the photographers, and the models. And we'll be teaching them how to do all this cool stuff, like the stuff that high school girls just love to do in, like, a very wholesome, adventurous, fun way. And then the last night, we're just going to have this big shootout, and then they'll end up receiving photos of the event. So it's kind of like a creative camp. That's cool. Not overnight, because insurance liability stuff would be more than we want to take on okay. <laughs> right now. Well, it sounds like you're thinking through <laughs> things a little well. I know ultimately it does come down to, yeah, li- liability yeah. and insurance. And, uh, yep. And especially because they, they'd be like high school, so they're like yes, under Yes, it's 18. underage, which is the main problem because uh, right yes. now there's lots and lots of workshops type of thing for already established, well, not even already established, but people who are older, photographers especially. So that market is like so already reached so we're trying to hit a demographic that hasn't been reached and we're also super excited 
to work with high school girls. We think that'd be super fun. Nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad, uh, that I, yeah, like you said, uh, when you're saying all, all the things that high school girls like to do, I'm like, I don't know what any of those were, <laughs> but, but I'm glad you obviously do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and so what is your brand, your kind of your goal of using your personal Instagram to kind of achieve that, that goal? So just usually building a following, building people connected. I don't, so what I was talking about with telling stories through my posts and using my story, like I can't keep that up on two accounts. That's so a lot. I, yeah, it's way too much. So I do that on my photography account and kind of just post on my personal account every once in a while to just keep the people there, direct them to other places so I'll be using both accounts really to launch this bigger idea with my roommate. And she'll also be using hers. And then we have an account together. So between the four accounts, <laughs> yeah, we think we'll be reaching enough people, hopefully. Okay. No, that, that sounds cool. And so do you have, is it just, you know, trying to get your, um, the high school, are they your audience really like high school girls on Instagram? Yes, and not even having to be on Instagram, but just high school girls who are really interested in creative things like calligraphy, macrame, photos, florist, styling, that type of thing. Okay. No, that's it sounds like a cool camp. So coming 2020, summer 2020? Yes, that's the goal. All right. Well, I'll have a make sure if, if you launch it, let me know and I'll I'll post the the link. All right. Thank you. <laughs> no, it sounds good. And then so with your your photography business, how how often, you know, you said you started posting once at once a day. Um what do you do you, are you still keeping up once a day or dial it down a little bit? So Probably up until a few months ago, I was still pretty regularly posting every day just because you need to push out a lot of content. I have realized, though, with Instagram stories, so the way you can tell how much engagement you're getting on your page is you can look at your analytics and it will say viewers this week, I think might be viewers viewers for something yeah and with that you can see if your followers are really engaged and you can do that through stories when I'm posting a lot on my stories that's when I have the most people engaged and when you have a lot of people engaged that's when your content is really going to perform well so now I post probably every two to three days as long as whatever I'm doing is consistent you have you have to stay consistent. So if you know you're not going to be able to post every day, don't post every day for a week and then just hold off for two weeks and do nothing. You just have to be pick a plan that you can be consistent with and then stay that way. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like consistency is really the key with, yes. with most stuff if you're wanting to grow, yeah. grow a business in that space. being pretty engaged. Especially, the biggest thing I've noticed is with your story, just posting and sharing things that people are interested in okay so what kind of stuff does that look like so for me it's people okay the big thing people love is behind the scenes for some reason people just are all over that really so whenever I do a shoot or a wedding or I'm always doing personal shoots with my friends or for classes I'm always working on projects so just letting people into that and seeing behind the scenes that's a great thing to do on your story. Also, just daily life things. Like, I'm a soccer player. I love to work out. So, posting different things like that or 
friend life, college life. Doesn't have to be super interesting, but just so people can understand who you are and what your daily life kind of looks like. No, that sounds uh, sounds interesting. Just having that connection, connection wise. Mm -hmm. All right, sounds good. And so, what does that process look like for you know reaching out to clients? Is it direct messaging? Is it what is your kind of workflow when it comes to communication? I mean, I've heard people say that email is not quite as big with personal communication for you guys. These for your kind of cohort of friends, but you know, what do you find? Is it, is it still the case for running a business or you know, talk to me about email there? For me specifically, I do get some DMS through Instagram, but usually the thing that happens is people see my Instagram. I have my website linked right there. I say it right in my bio, like websites here. They click on the website that directs them to all of my galleries, you know, everything you would have on a website. And then I have an inquiry form where they fill out who they are, a little bit about them, their date, that type of thing. And then I'll receive that inquiry form through email. Okay. So 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 email is still by far my biggest client communicator. Okay. Yeah. For for receiving. And then what is your workflow for those emails? Just go into email or um, do you have a system for managing all that? Yeah, I do have a system called HoneyBook. I think most photographers, especially juggling a lot of clients, have that system. It just puts all of your inquiries, messages on this timeline where you can pretty much each client has their own portfolio where it keeps your contracts and your invoices and your messages and any notes you need about them just so you're not dropping things and there's reminders and you can set up your sessions and it's just all in one place. Okay. Nice. That I'll to, I haven't heard of that one, but it sounds pretty handy. And yes. is there an app for it too? I'm guessing. Yeah. You can get an app on your phone as well. It's about 400 a year, but every photographer says it's the best investment they've ever made. Okay. I guess uh, all it takes is missing one wedding or something like that. Yeah. Or, the, or, scheduling, or scheduling two on the two same, on the same day, day. Yeah. <laughs> for it to be worth yeah. it. Yeah. But it's not so much for your uh, just random people don't need don't need it. Yeah. And then so with email too, you know, when it comes to you communicating with people, how much do you find is email? How much do you rely on email for for like pe- when people reach out to you, when brands reach out to you, whether it's school or um, you know teachers? How much is email still central to like all of that? So with my business, it's still pretty much all email. Occasionally. Instagram direct messaging if I'm reaching out to a venue for a styled shoot or if a brand wants to collaborate with me for school. I could say personal life because yeah, I mean, you clearly had yeah, to succeed personal life, through email. Um, definitely with professors, it's all email. Yeah, Like we don't text them. Yeah, That'd be yeah. weird. <laughs> and for my friends, we would never email each other. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So you, you never email a friend to no. play anything? No, I mean, unless they're in Kenya with no Wi-Fi, like on the Kenya trip or something. Okay. That's the for like a newsletter, but that would be really the exception. Okay. So what would you be doing normally then? Just To communicate? Yes. Um, like so- Various forms, texting, Instagram, Messenger on Facebook, Snapchat. Those are the ones I have, but okay. there are a lot of 
other social medias I haven't even really dived into that I'm sure you can message through. Okay. And then, and then do you find like if a brand or someone was trying to reach out to you, is it getting into the email inbox or is it texting? For example, if someone's trying to recruit you for something or do you feel like is email still what would be acceptable for reaching out or for a brand? Yeah. Kind of like for a brand or let's say like a company is trying to reach you or a school or, you know, it would typically still be email. There's kind of a thing, at least for me with different clients I have, if it's an email, it's more serious in my mind, okay. like the people I book or work with is a way greater chance if they email me than if they DM me. Like if I get a DM inquiry, I always think, well, this isn't quite as official. Okay. I, And that's just because I don't book as many people through DMs because it tends to not be as serious. Okay. Okay. So I, so I guess too, I'm curious. So in my case, you know, I got your name and so I DM'd you. Would it have been better if I like emailed you or because it was like over the weekend would you not have checked it or in, any thoughts there um this is pretty casual okay so, so it's pretty casual so i it was, would it was fine yeah i didn't think it was weird at all to have a dm that's pretty normal okay especially if it's in that kind of creative space yeah okay yep. and then and then but what it, so you seem to be a little bit the exception in part i mean obviously you're running a successful business before you've graduated do you feel like that's the case for like all your peers too when it comes to like email and are they do they constantly check their email or is it kind of email a side thing or um like do you get notifications every time an email comes in on your phone yeah for school emails important i think outside of school and the professional realm emails pretty non-existent i can't i mean i can't say for sure because i'm very into email because that's how I communicate. Yeah. yeah, I have a business. But I think for the average college student, there's a school email and then perhaps if they're looking for a job or something. Okay. So it seems like email is kind of like what you have to do for school, but it's not so much, you know, not your yeah. preferred method. Generally, yeah. Okay. Because do, do most people have an email outside of their school email or is that usually like their their first one coming in or have they had like a Gmail? I think we do just because we grew up in an age where email was bigger than it is now. So we all have that beginner's email that okay. we had, but I don't know if it's, I mean, you always have to put your email when you buy something. So that's kind of just where all of that goes, but <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I don't think anyone really uses it. Okay. Besides in a professional or school setting. Okay. No, that is kind of interesting. You're like, your emails where like all that stuff goes and you buy something. Um, yeah. And it kind of, because I know, I mean, the nice thing is with Gmail now, at least you have, you can divide it up between like promotions and. Yeah. So helpful. Just kind of like puts all your junk mail there. Um, so, so what do you think about when people are trying to actually like sell something to you? Let's say a company is trying to reach out. Do you find obviously their email is probably going to their junk mail. If yeah. It's a promotion. How do you, like, how do you. Have, have there been successful ways where you feel like brands did market to you or some of your friends and you're like, oh, that actually, like, you actually bought something? Is it through, like, Instagram? If you're not reading, promo- I mean, I don't really read my promotional section of the emails necessarily. Yeah, email would definitely not be it. I think probably the biggest thing, I would say commercials, but in the last few years, that's even gone because now we have Netflix and Hulu and you can just skip the commercials so I would say for sure the biggest thing is Instagram. 
so many companies are doing these paid partnerships with influencers. So that's their main way of advertising. And then you can also pay to promote something on Instagram. So you'll get these little ads that pop up even in your stories. And it's with like data analytics. It's super catered to like what you've been searching previously. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you you feel like that's kind of where when you look at, think of people who are reaching you through advertising you think it's probably on instagram for in your space yeah even other forms of social media pinterest i've just been starting to get into pinterest and learn a lot about it but brands will pay people so say i went to a website and i clicked on that picture and then i pinned it on my board there's this way you can do that if someone ends up clicking on your pin and like ends up making a purchase through what you pinned you can actually yeah get some revenue from that it's very small but yeah that's another way brands do it or just paid advertising on pinterest as well okay like i had to buy a floral tie for my styled shoe and i had seen so many advertisements for this company called daisy through Pinterest and I've never even been into ties. Yeah. <laughs> but when I knew I needed a floral tie, like I automatically knew that was the place I was going to go buy things just because I had seen so many paid promotions in Pinterest. So, so it was clearly working because they could tell what you were searching for. Had you searched for floral ties? In no, Pinterest? I mean, I use it for my business. So I'm always pinning wedding type of stuff, but I've never searched ties it just has come up on my feet so many times. Okay, that they identified you as someone who, yeah. because of all the weddings, eventually yeah, if someone's looking for weddings, <laughs> they're gonna have to buy a floral tie. Right. Okay. Super interesting. Yeah. So, so it seems like in that space, companies are really showing up, and especially for in the creative fields and like Pinterest, Instagram, and identifying people who, like, they need to reach out to or people who are searching for, for particular topics. Mm-hmm. Um, so you feel like that's probably where people are showing up is that if they're going to get your attention, they probably are showing up on Instagram or, um, or like Pinterest. Yeah. At least what I've found. Okay. And when you were searching for, you know, as a high schooler, um, thinking about colleges, was it still at that stage all like paper mailers or were, do you remember were colleges showing up in your like Instagram even before mm. or no, what did you think? I think for the most part, everything was through paper. I was pretty late to the college search. I kind of started senior year, so I kind of already knew what colleges I'd be interested in, but I do remember getting tons and tons and tons of paper mail, especially I was running track at the time, so people wanting to have me run on their teams or just, yeah, colleges in general. And then did you feel like that? Did you actually, like, look at the paper stuff and take time, or was it kind of like, uh, too much paper? No, I would throw it away unless it was something specific about, like, track or scholarships regarding that. So unless it was, like, tailored to you? Yeah. Okay. And it's pretty easy to tell if it's generic or tailored. Okay. So so if something was tailored, then that was when it kind of, like, stood out to you? Yes. Okay. And then, so do you find... Is that true also for like social media or advertisements that where it's like it's tailored? 
can you think of any instances where something has been tailored besides the like the i think the the, the, the i mean the good. content is always tailored towards you just based on even if i make a google search i'll go onto instagram and an advertisement like or something yeah similar will be there but i mean in order for it to be tailored like the college application it would have to be personally written to me like you can fill in the name like hey tess yeah but that that doesn't really count Okay, but but if it, if something is like personalized to you, then that makes it stand out. Yeah, for sure. Okay, can you remember anything that was personalized um, that was physical that made you like? Do you remember? Um, I mean, I've had brands reach out to me where it was very personalized to wanting me to take photos for their stuff, but oh, besides okay. that, not that I can really think of. Okay. So did the brands reach out? Was it in like physical mail or was it? No, uh, that was either over a DM or email. Okay. Brands still do email quite a bit. Okay. And do you you feel like that still is effective when the brands are doing email or? Yeah, um, especially because who they're sending the email to is a creative, which means they probably run a business and email is a big thing for them. Okay, but it, but it was like personalized, like someone writing an email? Yeah, just, and some of that was, I would reach out to them first and then they would get back to me. Okay. But I did have one brand where it wasn't personalized, but besides that, it usually is pretty personalized. Okay, so do you feel like the, the value, do you, you're more likely to, to value like personalized over like highly polished, like what is that balance between like, oh, this is looks polished versus this is personalized? Like, how, how much is the value do you do you put on on either one? If, if a brand's reaching out, ah, uh, that's hard to say because usually the personalized stuff is still very polished. Okay, I mean, yeah, you don't if want to be sloppy. Want, yeah. So, and also when I think polished, I think more photo, like very For professional. Yeah. But I don't think you can really personalize a photo. Okay. Yeah. I mean, because no one wants to see a bad photo, like yeah. reaching out. But it, but in terms of the communication, like that balance of in the message being personalized, you know. So if someone reached out with a personalized message campaign versus let's say a series of like highly polished ads, is would one or the other kind of catch your attention more? Personalized. Would. So personalized. Yes. Okay. So do you feel like and as things move forward, like the big thing is, is it something polished? Is is it personalized to you in terms of the, like what's going to have the most like impact? For sure. Personalized. And that's something I've learned even through inquiries. So when someone reaches out to me and they're like, Hey, this is our date. We'd like more information. I've specifically made them fill out a form. Like, what are your favorite things to do? You know, what type of things do you enjoy? Tell me about your story. Because when I send my email back to them, I'm going to say, hi, whoever your name is. Then I'm going to talk about their venue and the shots I could imagine getting at their venue. I'm going to talk to them about specific things they told me about their story. Like, oh, you like hiking and craft a beer. Well, maybe for our engagement shoot, we can hike and then have a beer picnic, that type of thing. And... Instead of saying that, I could respond with something very polished, like, hi, I'm Tess Schilke. My yeah. goal is to give you, you know, all these different things in a very professional voice. But 
people relate and want to hire you so much more if you personalize the message to them and show up as a person. Okay. Now that, that's really interesting is kind of get the data from them beforehand. And then when yes. you, you repeat it back to them, they all of a sudden feel like you actually listen to them. Yeah. It's almost impossible to do if you have no data beforehand. Okay. But once you have this stuff, then it's pretty easy okay. to write them something personal. No, but that, that is really interesting is the idea of that. Hey, when you... When you ask people for specifics and they give it to you and then you repeat it back, they're almost like impressed. Like, oh, wow, you. Yeah. Or talk about how you relate to whatever they're doing. Yeah. Or even I put personal stuff about me on my website. Like how I got into photography is because I was injured in track. And that's right before the inquiry form. So when a couple reached out, they're like, oh, we were track runners too. So you're already forming connections by telling a bit about yourself and then they answer you and then you tell them how you relate to the things they said just trying to form connections where you can no that's uh super interesting how yeah the the idea of data it's like even though we tend to kind of grab on you know companies for getting all this data that the more you get about someone early on the more personalized of a response you can make it's more likely to have that emotional connection that's more likely to make them buy from you yeah for sure so too i'm curious when it comes to like overall social media trends like where do you think things are are going when it comes to let's say over the next you know five years like do you you see anything like big happening do you think like for example instagram in canada they've already started their debut of not including like counts on people's views like how do you think that's going to change? Would that change anything for you in terms of how you do things or any thoughts on, yeah, on that? Yeah, that's been a really big debate among the creative community, if you want to call it yeah. that. Because there is, there's like such a movement right now going on with self-love, you know, doing you, loving yourself, awareness of mental disorders. And I think that's the biggest thing that's played into removing likes because like I was saying earlier with younger girls, it's just a comparison game. So I think a lot of the bigger influencers, if that's what you want to call them, that's a bit concerning to see like, Oh, people aren't going to know I'm as big. Like I'm not going to get those likes. People aren't going to be able to see them. Also just for tracking your own growth as a business, not knowing how many like how people are responding to the content you're putting out those are things that are considered but on the other hand it could benefit small businesses because now it's just purely based on the content you're putting out not how many likes each photo's getting and then of course trying to help out the whole movement of not comparing yourself to others but Yeah, it's interesting because a lot of people say they don't want likes, but I think deep down that's like all we've known from social media is you post something and then people respond a certain way and that kind of affirms what you posted. So it will be interesting to see if Instagram actually goes through with it and how people are going to respond if it happens. Yeah, and I mean, mean, because every like is, uh, I think they compare it to like a dopamine hit 
in your brain, which is basically the equivalent of like going to a uh, casino at a slot machine. And yeah. then that little rush of like, oh, what, what do I get next is actually in your brain kind of a dopamine hit that kind of triggers you to like come back for more and more. Uh, so it will be interesting to see, you know, what, what happens, you know, within that space. Do you feel like you've seen among your, your friends and peers just that pressure when it comes to social media and especially, you know, the, and, and how hard it is for people or like, what is that downside of, of the Instagram? Like, do you said yeah. the girls? So my friend group itself, I think is quite different than most people. Whereas Instagram's not a huge deal to them, which is actually interesting it's to like navigate yeah. because I run my business through it. So I have to care about it by default, which is just interesting when you don't have friends who like can understand that. Well, they are understanding, but it's a process to explain to them like why you're doing what you're doing. Um, but I do think in general for the typical person likes does have an impact, especially on the younger age group, the younger age group. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, it, it does kind of seem like, especially the, age where it's there's a very acute awareness of in order to succeed as a creative you do have to do well you have to get your stuff out there but also very clear awareness that like that the more you the more you post that to a certain extent it does fuel like jealousy you know like obviously like among people and you know, i've even struggled with this too with you know some of the trips i've done where it's like all right do i post it or do i like not post it and then like no one like they're not posted and no one sees it or do I post it? And then people are like, Oh, Hey, I want to do that too. And then it's that question of, cause there's a certain aspirational element of, of being able to do good. Yeah. And, and when you, when you see people doing great work, you also like gets you excited to like, Hey, I want to do great work too. And so it is kind of a tough balancing act. Yeah. I mean, even being the ones to be posting the content and be in this, I mean, I follow probably, 200 other photographers a lot of them from my area so even for myself watching the comparison game and trying to limit my own social media like how much am I scrolling or how much am I just not on the app I wrote I write in my notes what my caption is going to be I pick a time to post I post it and then I sign off for the night there's a lot of times where you have to for me at least create boundaries otherwise it can have the same effect on you that you're worried that you're having on other people. Okay. No. So I am curious about that, the sign off thing. So what is your process? Do you write it in a caption in your, uh, like note app and then schedule it or what do you, what's your process? So I've tried a few different things and I'm kind of always trying to figure things out, but usually right now I get up early in the morning. I answer all my inquiries. I write my Instagram post for the day I just write it right on Instagram, and then you can save your draft. Okay. So I'll write it. I'll get my photos ready, save my draft, and then at 9 o'clock every night, or I'm posting maybe every two to three days, that's when I'll end up actually posting it. And then you want to be on for the first, not completely on, but just like be ready to respond back to people if you're getting a response from something. So say people are commenting on your photo, which is what you want because it's engagement. You yeah. want to be able to comment back quickly within the first 30 minutes because that's how Instagram's algorithm is going to read your post and see if it's doing well. And if it's doing well, they're going to let more people see it because only about 
10 to 20% of your followers actually see your stuff unless you're, you're having a high engagement at the time. Okay. And so what time do you usually post your, your stuff? Nine at night. Okay. Nine at night. And so do you find, is that just works for you or is that cause you're up like in free after you post it? Nine at night. So you can also go into your analytics and see when you're, when your most followers are on, on a certain day. And okay. I've just found like, I'm not going to be exact each day, just in general yeah. at night. That's when the most people are on. So that's usually when I post and that's when I'm done with my stuff in the day. So it just works out well. Okay. So you post night at night and then you're, I guess, up for the next hour at least. Yeah. Um, and then if someone comments, I can comment back or engage with people if I need to. Okay. But then by, by what time are you like signing off or are you signing off or just turning your phone off or? I mean, usually at night is when I do stuff with friends okay. or play soccer or something like that. So like my phone will be there, but I try not to be on my phone a lot when I'm with friends, if I can help it. So then if I need to do something, I can, but yeah, if not, I'm not like actively scrolling. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Okay. No, that's, that's super helpful to hear. So it sounds like there is kind of, do you, do you feel like, is it just you that's kind of very active aware of, I need to limit my scroll feed, scroll scrolling or, is there starting to be more of like a, a consensus overall to the need to limit, limit like no aimless scrolling? Any thoughts there? I mean, I think people are, I'm very aware of it because I didn't have a phone till I was 16. So I saw other people constantly on their phones when I didn't have one. And I always said to myself like, oh, I'm never going to be like that. But obviously it's a lot harder <laughs> to yeah. say than to do, especially when you're, you have to be on Instagram a lot in order to be successful. There's just no way around it. You have to be posting stuff on your stories. You have to be engaging with people. You have to be answering every reply to your story and message in a somewhat timely manner, like not leaving it for days. So, yeah, it's really just trying to find a balance. I think most people, other creatives, are aware of how much it takes. And I've noticed some creatives will be like, hey, I'm not going to, like, I'm signing off of Instagram for a week because I need, like, a mental break. Yeah, I know. It's, it, it's a lot. Yeah, it happens. And it's, I think people are aware of it. It's just you actually have the willpower to set boundaries for yourself. Gotcha. No, that that makes sense. No, great. Well, it's uh, you know, a great talking to you, Tess. I think it's been kind of super helpful just kind of getting get the insight. And it is interesting how you've been aware of, you know, you grew a business from like starting at 16 uh, through social media. But at the same time, you recognize the, it's like that balancing act of yep. like the, the benefits, but also the, the downsides and kind of that need to have just balance as, as most things are in life. Mm-hmm. Um, is having that balance and there's a lot of helpful tips too. So I like the idea. Um, I mean, it seems like the key really with anything is just like consistency. Yes, for uh, sure. For, for consistency, but also just kind of thinking through things and you know, like you had a strategy and you knew what you wanted, which was, Hey, I want to start a business in a year and I'm going to do that by doing one post a day, you know, for every day. And, um, but also at the same time, it's learning how to transition people off of Instagram to, kind of an email where you can have like a highly personalized uh, conversation, get to know them and then kind of like follow up uh, with, with things. Is there anything else that you do to kind of help seal the deal in, in that, that sales process? It's just the personalized 
communication. Yeah, that's, I mean, I always try to get them on the phone. Okay. Which is interesting. People really don't like talking on the phone. That's one thing I've learned. But if you can get someone on the phone, they're like 50% more likely to hire you. Okay. I've rarely had a phone call where I've talked to a client and they haven't hired me afterwards just because... Is this a, vi- a video call or a, like personalized? Just a either. I it, mean, I try for FaceTime, but people <laughs> would much rather not show themselves. Okay. Most of the, at least in my experience, it could be different with other people. But in every email I send back to an inquiry, I always say, "Hey, I'd love to set up a time to call with you. These are my available times in the next week, and maybe one of ten or one of twenty will actually take me up on that." Okay, so, so you're saying that people don't, for whatever reason, don't like to do right. But calls? if you can get if you them can, there, it's like then it's, it's pretty much a done deal usually. Okay, no, that's, that's that's super interesting. Why do you think they don't like phone calls as much? You don't have time to plan out what you're gonna say, no. which, I mean, I think would be more intimidating for me who's trying to sell them something, and also in general, I think with this generation. We are used to texting, and the thought of having a face-to-face conversation is sometimes intimidating or uncomfortable, I think mainly just because we're not used to it, and there can be awkward silences. Like, people hate feeling awkward. (laughs) So (laughs) that's why texting is nice, because you can think of what you're going to say, and if you don't think of something right away, you can just hold the text and then text back when you have what you want to say ready okay do you do you ever like uh, on the topic of phone and calling do you ever call your friends much or? yeah that's i mean my friends like your your good friends at least yeah if i need to know where they are or something like that i'll just facetime them because it's so much quicker that's my first go-to is that but is that more for like hey where are you or is it more hey we're gonna have a deep conversation um <laughs> deep conversations i wouldn't I would have in person. Okay. If the person is far away from me, then yeah, I'll call them like my boyfriend. We're doing distance, obviously FaceTime. My cousin who lives in Michigan, I probably call her once a month. My sister's in London. So yeah, for those longer distance things. Personalized, like people yeah, you know. I'll FaceTime and I'll call. But there does seem to be an aversion to having a call with someone you don't know and, and having to go through that, that process. At least yeah, you that's see that so, so different. Yeah. Okay. No, that's, that's really interesting and fascinating. Just yeah, differences as, as people, as things change. So, But thanks so much for uh, being on the podcast. I'll make sure to include your all your Instagrams. And so your, I know your Instagram is what? Tess.Shulke. And then does it Tess Shulke Photography? Yes. And then are you on also on Facebook too? Or is that kind of... Yes, I'm on Facebook, Tess Shulke Photography. Okay, and your website? Pretty much Pinterest, Facebook, Instagram, Tess website, Teshilki Photography. Wonderful. Yeah. All right, we'll have that in the show notes. So thanks so much, Tess. It's been great having you on the podcast. Of course. And that wraps up another episode of No Fat Cats, where we help high-performing creative teams get even better. A few key takeaways from this episode that I feel like apply to maybe those that aren't in Gen Z, but working with Gen Z. One of the things that I took away is that 
Gen Z almost expects everything to be personalized. They overall seem to be a little more comfortable putting out data. They kind of recognize that, yes, a lot of the stuff that they're putting out there is available, that companies have. They've kind of grown up with it, so I don't really find that they, that Tess at least, was you know worried about, oh, people know who I am and have my data. She was okay with that fact, but what she expected was almost everything to be personalized and tailored. And so if you want to stand out in the crowd and are reaching out to Gen Z, don't just expect that you can do the generic blast and that's going to work, but you need to find ways of actually getting information about people and then personalizing all your responses to them. In Tessa's case, she gets the inquiry and she actually, before she even talks to potential customers, she's having them submit an inquiry with what they want to do, what they expect. And then once they do, she then is able to put that information back in a way that feels like she listened to them and that helped them feel understood. And I think that's going to be the challenge for people moving forward is if, if you aren't a big company that has all this analytics and data, find ways of getting information that is customized and personalized from those you're trying to work with. And then absolutely make sure that your responses are very personalized and customized and tailored to their needs. I think everyone kind of expects, you know, with, whether it's on Pinterest or, or you know, YouTube, Instagram, the advertisements will be personalized to them based on what they're searching for, based on their likes and preferences. And if you want to stand out, you have to make sure that you are hyper-targeted almost and personalized if you want to stand out with, with Gen Z. Also, despite hearing that Gen Z doesn't do that much with email, they are transitioning more towards it as they go into the professional workforce. But the big trick is, is that you have to make sure that what you're doing is personalized as oftentimes there are two emails, one that's for work and one that is more for where they buy stuff and goes in the junk email. And it's not just Gmail putting it into their promotions. It's, this is a whole separate email just for purchases and stuff. So. So if you want to get into their professional email, you're going to have to quickly demonstrate how you are going to add value to their life, help advance their careers, or get them something that they want. Always find ways of personalizing, creating that connection, that empathy that's going to ultimately lead people to trust you more and then ultimately make a commitment or buy from you. And that wraps up another episode. Until next time, join in for part two of the series where I sit down with Tim Pascalis, a designer, to hear his thoughts on media and how he as a graphic designer relies on social media to kind of create followers and find potential customers. Until next week, have a great one.